Uh, let's open our Bibles, uh, the Gospel of Mark, and we'll read from chapter 4. We'll read the first 20 verses. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. Thank God for his word. And uh, before we start, I'd like to uh, bring you warm greetings from our small fellowship, our small congregation uh, in Krakow. So greetings from Christ the Savior, Christ the Savior Presbyterian 
church in, in Krakow. I will update you a little bit more uh, about um, the work, the mission work in Krakow uh, in, in, a, in a minute. But let's, before we do that, let's, um, let's just think about these soils, these types of soil for, uh, for a while. I thought instead of um, using a, um, a Polish example, I would, I would use a, an illustration about somebody from across the, the pond. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was this, um, this book that was heavily promoted in every single bookshop in Poland. I've seen it in other countries. Uh, I'm sure you, you've, you've seen it here as well. Uh, it's, uh, uh, the next slide will have the, the book cover um, of uh, the picture of that book cover. And, and the title of the book was uh, Steve Jobs, just Steve Jobs, and was written by Walter Isaacson. So the book was about a man who made a revolution in, in technology. Um, he's somebody we can all slightly uh, relate to. If, you, if you're using a phone uh, with, with touchscreen, a phone that doesn't have, mobile phone that doesn't have buttons and the keypad uh, on it, no matter what make, uh, it's, it's thanks to this, to this very man. Um, so the book had uh, quite a bit of information about him, quite thick, took me forever to, uh, to go through it and, and, and finish. Uh, but it had some interesting information about his spiritual uh, journey. Uh, so some, some facts uh, about him. For instance, um, when he was growing up, his parents um, used to attend a local Lutheran church. They, they weren't devout Christians, but they really wanted... Uh, for for Steve to be to get some religious upbringing, so they would uh, they would take him to church every Sunday, and they would send him to uh, to Sunday school for for these lessons. Uh, and uh, it was July 1968 uh, when uh, a new issue of uh, Life magazine came out in in America. Uh, and uh, Steve Jobs saw this uh, this photograph. I, I digged up the photograph from from 1968, and that that's that's what what Steve saw back then. He was 13 at the time, and it, so it's a couple of starving children children from Biafra in uh, in Africa, and that really really disturbed uh, Steve. So he he took the magazine and he went to their to his uh, local pastor next Sunday, and he says. He asked a question about um, a very deep, a deeper question than he probably thought he did. He said, um, "Pastor, if I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise before I even do it?" And the pastor answer, answered, "Yes, God knows everything." Jobs then pulled out the, the magazine, showed uh, the cover, and said, "Well." Does God know about this? And what's going to happen to those children? And the pastor goes, Steve, I know you don't understand, but yes, God knows about that. Jobs then announced that he didn't want to have um, anything to do uh, with worshiping such a God, and he never went back to church after that. He did, however, spend years and years studying and practicing Buddhism. It's interesting that this was, this was good 60 years ago uh, in, on a different continent. And it's exactly the kind of problem that uh, we have to deal with today 
in Central and Eastern uh, Europe, in Poland. I'm sure the same questions are still being asked today here in uh, Northern Ireland. If there is a good God, why is there suffering? Why do these poor children suffer? Why does God, good God allow for these terrible things to happen? And uh, the, the, the really, really sad thing about this is the fact that uh, people jump quickly to this conclusion. Here are these suffering children, therefore God cannot exist. The, um, currently, um, there are a lot of scandals uh, connected with the, with the Catholic Church in, uh, in Poland, and the liberal media are uh, on the hunt for the, the smallest detail, the smallest mistake that a Catholic priest may have, uh, may have done or said over, even in the past, and they're just making it, uh, making it bigger, making a bigger deal out of it, just so they can put the uh, people of faith in, in, a really bad, uh, in a really bad light. And a lot of young people that are watching this, that are uh, really disillusioned with the, with the, with the Catholic Church, they are, they're, they're jumping to that same conclusion. Here's a priest, a man who says that uh, he's a man of God, uh, he, he is a spiritual man, and he, uh, he's done something bad. Here's the priest, the priest is bad, the church is bad, therefore God cannot exist. So people have been doing this for centuries. You, you, you might have uh, family members that are doing this. You might have colleagues uh, uh, that, that are doing exactly the same thing. Farmers and missionaries have always had to deal with, with hard soil, uh, with the kind of soil that questions God, with the kind of soil that, that looks for the tiniest excuse just to dismiss God. And, and the whole idea of spirituality, faith, religion, the tiniest excuse will do, just so I don't have to go to church, just so I don't have to, uh, to believe, just so, I don't, just so I could be spiritually lazy. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, we read these words. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. In other words, you have become Christians through something uh, that is imperishable, through th something that is eternal, and it's living and it's abiding word of God. See, word is... Uh, information, word is content, um, it usually bears some, every word bears some meaning with it. Um, the word of God is so much more than just information. It's a power. The Bible compares it to a seed, and when that seed comes in, when it comes into you, it begins to release its power. So, um, when I, when I take a penny and I plant it into a pot full of, of dirt, full of soil, um, here in Northern Ireland, how long would it take for a tenner to come out? It's usually a couple of hours in Poland. That, that's, that's how we make our money. Um, or if you, if you stick uh, your mobile phone into it, how long would it take for the tablet to, to come out? 
It won't happen. If you take a stone, if you take a piece of glass, if you take any uh, physical item, um, and if you put it into the soil, even if you water it enough, often enough, it's not going to bear any fruit. It's not going to produce anything. So what's the difference between a piece of a stone um, or a penny and, and a seed? And it's, it's life. It's life. It's that power of biological life in it. If you stick the seed in, if you give, give it some water, give it uh, some time, it will bear fruit. It will bring, it will bring life. In a similar way, the Word of God has this power of spiritual uh, life. God comes into you through your understanding of, uh, of the Word and His gospel that He grants you. And when He begins that work in you, the seed releases its power. Uh, and suddenly, things begin to change. Spiritual life comes into you and suddenly you begin to, to see some of the matters that maybe in the past you hadn't seen uh, or, um, and maybe others actually had seen them, but, but you couldn't. You begin to understand certain things that maybe your friends were talking about, your family members were talking about trying to convince you to, to Christianity and to faith, but you couldn't, you couldn't understand that. And so suddenly it all begins to make sense. God has uh, granted us uh, a couple of uh, gifts. They are, they are young people who have uh, come to faith through the, through the mission work that we've, that we've been doing. And it's just absolutely marvelous to be watching them go from, in some cases, zero uh, background, uh, zero Christian knowledge to becoming mature uh, Christians, And it's, it's a process, and it takes some watering, and it takes some time, but they develop into these really beautiful, um, transformed uh, persons, people that are Christians. Uh, we've, we've recently started um, uh, studying together uh, the letter to Romans, and uh, there is one verse that our whole church has been very excited about and quoting to each other. It's Romans 1.16, and it goes like this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Look at that verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It doesn't say that the gospel has power. It doesn't say that the gospel brings power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. That gospel is the power of God, just in verbal form. Uh, the gospel is like a seed because it has that life-giving power that, it can, uh, that God can give you. Uh, and the word releases the power in you just like a seed does in the soil. The roots begin to grow. Uh, and the, the deeper they grow, the stronger, the stronger you become, the, the more mature you become. Seeds release their power only when they go in deep. Uh, if you look at these different types of so soils that we read about uh, today, um, every single time there is a problem, there is an issue with them. And usually, you, you, could, you could say that in those three problematic cases with, with three types of soil, uh, every single time it was a depth issue, 
a depth problem. Uh, that seeds didn't go uh, deep enough. Um, and it's interesting, it's, it's really, really interesting that Jesus chooses the seed as an illustration to explain what the gospel is. Uh, he could have done uh, countless uh, illustrations probably. He could have chosen anything. Um, he could have done, he could have chosen a sword, he could have chosen an, an army, a soldier, um, some hammer or bulldozer or something like this. But he doesn't do that. He chooses a seed, uh, a very weak thing and a very light thing, a little thing. Um, it's, it, the seed is not like a bomb. If you, if you drop it, it's not going to create a hole in the ground. It's not going to explode. You'll drop it and then you'll probably not even be able to, to find it. Um, three out of four soils rejected the power of the word. The first one didn't like it at all. The second one was excited about Jesus, but they wanted miracles and they wanted good times. Um, you know, they probably were asking Jesus to repeat the... Uh, feeding uh, miracle with, with nice bread and, and fish, you know, could, could you please do that for us once again? We, we quite like that part of the service. Um, the third group is, is concerned about what the world thinks and about the issues of the world. So these three problematic groups, problematic types of soil, they are not interested in Jesus. They are interested in what they can get, get out of him. Um, 2,000 years later, nothing has changed. Um, the four types of soil still apply. Uh, we deal with them on, uh, on a regular basis. That, that are people that, that come and that, uh, that we talk to. Um, we, we would try to explain what, what we believe in, our understanding of the gospel. And many times it's just... It doesn't, doesn't make any sense to them. They just refuse it, refuse to listen immediately. Uh, they would meet with us. They would introduce themselves to us. We would introduce ourselves to them. Uh, I would say that, you know, I'm a minister in, uh, in this church. And uh, I would, they would say, what's, what's Protestant church? I would, I would explain that. And then that's the last meeting <laughs> with them because they, they just don't want to, uh, to listen to anything. Others take deeper interest, and they would, they would come back to, uh, to some of the events that we are, we're organizing. Uh, others would only occasionally uh, show up, uh, and others um, understand it. They, they, they get it. They, uh, God works in them, softens their hearts, plants the seed. The seed begins to grow and, and, and bear fruit, and, uh, and they, stay, they stay in the church. Last June, we accepted our first nine members, and we have a couple uh, more on the way that are being catechized. There are, um, there are three major things that we, uh, we as a church are offering and are doing, and I think it's extremely important to, for us to keep those, uh, those three categories. Um, we would run Bible studies where we would uh, create a place for people to interact with the Bible where they learn how to read it, how to apply it for their lives, how to read it properly. So, you know, teach them how to read the Bible. The second thing is um, that we're doing is we run, we run a catechism class. 
and this is where we would study Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, we, in the past, we've also done uh, Heidelberg Catechism, and the reason for that is uh, it simply helps you stay on, on the right track, and it simply helps you uh, know what we are as Christians uh, to believe. And if, if there's somebody, um, especially now with the internet and with so much content out there, if there's somebody who comes in and, and tries to uh, preach something, something different to you, uh, you know, you don't have to accept that because, you know, we, we, we haven't believed that. We've, our, uh, re, as Reformed believers, we haven't believed that in the, in the last 500 years. Why would we suddenly embrace a new, a new doctrine, a new teaching? So it's, it's important uh, as well for people to learn their doctrines. And the third thing uh, that we do is our apologetics um, uh, group. And I'll, I'll talk more about it uh, in our, uh, during our update. But um, it's, it's extremely important because it's, it, teach, it equips Christians and it equips uh, um, new believers. It equips those who are interested in just simply understanding um, the, uh, the culture and, and, and knowing how to how to fight against these uh, accusations that we as Christians and, and the Christian church constantly get and hears from, from the society. Um, can there be only one God? Uh, can there be only one true church? Uh, do all religions lead uh, to heaven? Um, hasn't science disapproved the existence of God? Things like that. People, people have been asking questions like Steve Jobs for, for ages. If, if there is suffering... That probably means that there can't be a good God. So people are struggling with these, with these issues because of that. They are skeptical about their faith, um, about faith in general. They are skeptical about the church, um, institu- the, the, the institutional churches and religion. Uh, and we are just trying to help them, these young adults. It's usually young adults. A lot of students. Krakow is a big um, university center with 200,000 university students studying there every year. And... Uh, we're, we're trying to help people fight these, uh, with, with these questions and, and just answer them uh, for themselves. So, reading the Bible, uh, studying the doctrine, and also defending the faith, apologetics. Um, going back to our seeds and, uh, and soils, I don't know if you, if you have it here. I haven't seen that many cases here. In Poland, you can sometimes um, see an abandoned building. Uh, and I have a picture. I have an example. You, you, you would see an, you know, an abandoned um, building that's not used anymore. And then there's a tree growing on the, on the, on the rooftop. Um, in some cases, you could even see the, uh, the cracks on the building. The wall begins to crack because of the roots of, of that tree, as the tree is starting to get stronger, and w- it does something to concrete that maybe even horses couldn't do, that humans couldn't, couldn't do. And how did that tree start? Didn't it start with a little tiny seed that's grow- that over time has grown to be a tree, and its roots have become so deep and strong that they are now cracking the concrete? I think this is a great image of the power of the seed and what it can do. The parable of the, of the soils is not just about how people respond to the word, but it's also about how people respond to Jesus. Um, 
And as I've already said, he, he could have chosen many different illustrations. He could have uh, come as a, as a sword, as a fire. Uh, but if he did, we probably wouldn't be, wouldn't be alive today. Um, so he comes as a seed, as a word, as the word. Uh, and he goes into the ground and dies. It says in John 12, 24, if it dies, it produces much fruit. That's what, that's what Jesus did for us. Uh, when Steve Jobs found out that he was terminally ill with cancer, and just before he died, um, he was reflecting on death. I was talking to this author, the man who, who, was, who wrote his biography, and he said these words. I'm about 50-50 on believing in God. For most of my life, I felt that there must be more to our existence than meets the eye. He admitted that as he faced uh, death, that he was facing death, and he said, I like to think that something survives after you die. It's strange to think that you accumulate all this experience and maybe a little wisdom, and it just goes away. So I really want to believe that something survives, that maybe your consciousness endures. Then he fell silent for a very long time and continued. But on the other hand, perhaps it's like an on and off switch, he said. Click and you're gone. Then he paused again, smiled slightly and said, maybe that's why I never liked to put switches on Apple devices. Stephen Jobs heard the gospel on multiple occasions, not just when he was in Sunday school when he was young. That's a great example of a really hard soil. He never became a Christian. He never accepted the gospel. Uh, but he is a good example of how God can move us from one type of soil to another. He's gone from there can't be God, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about this kind of God, to I'm now 50-50, as I'm about to die, suddenly the chances uh, go up. Now it's 50-50. And we pray that God would be able, that God would move the people that uh, we are in touch with in Krakow from one type of soil, from that kind of soil, to the kind of soil that bears fruit, that produces fruit. We pray for strong and, and deep roots with the people that um, hear the gospel preached in our church. Uh, the way we would explain it to, uh, to people is we, um, there's a great illustration in um, a great uh, part in um, the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is is talking to his father, and, um, and he, he's experiencing this foretaste of, of what's about to happen to him, and just, just the hint of that, just the, the small idea of that is, is just crashing him to, to, to the ground, and he, start, he begins to think, is there any other way to do this? Um, but he knows that his life can't be released in us unless he goes into the ground and dies, and he did. He became voluntarily weak for us. Uh, he became that seed that goes into the ground so we could live. 
Um, and that's the secret of, of, of the gospel. That's the secret of its, of its power. Um, let's bow our heads and pray quickly before, before I, um, I tell you more about the work in Krakow. Lord, we thank you for um, the weak, your weakness that is really your power. We thank you for giving your, your son for us who went into the ground as a seed so we could live. Lord, we pray for uh, Krakow today, for the four types of soil. We pray that you would bless us with, with the good kind that bears fruit, uh, that brings fruit, and that, uh, that multiplies we pray. Uh, we we ask for the same for this congregation here that they would be able uh, to sow well, and that uh, you would be that they would be able to to see um, that sowing uh, bear fruit. We pray that they would be here a beacon and a light and, and salt for this for this area. Lord, we thank you for um, for this wonderful gift of the cross and for the wonderful gift of the seed that you've planted into our hearts that uh, has transformed us, uh, that has helped us to, to become Christians, Lord. We thank you for this, and we pray about this all in the name of our Savior. Amen. Uh, just before, before I go, uh, a, couple of, a couple of photographs uh, to, um, to share, uh, to show from, from Krakow. Um, as Pastor Nigel has already mentioned, we've, uh, we've just moved into our uh, new premises, uh, I think that's what I have is what the first picture. Yes, this is the view that you would now get from the uh, from the room where we're, we're the building that we're renting. It's on the ground floor. It's a storefront. It has a not a terribly big but a big enough display, uh, and that's what we see through that display: a big intersection, busy intersection uh, that also has tram stops right on it. So if you if you're taking a tram to the church, you're you're there, and um, it's um, it's still in the old part of the city. It's not in the in the old. If you've been to Krakow, you know there's an old town that's that's uh, really beautiful and nice. We're still in the old part of the city, but not not really really centrally located. But but location is is really good. Let's see what else we have there. Um, as, I, as I've already mentioned, we've, uh, we are running three kinds of, um, of groups, Bible studies, catechism studies, and apologetic studies. Some of those uh, would have happened in our, in our flats. Anya and I, we're hosting a, uh, we've been hosting the apologetics group for the last uh, two years or so. And um, um, it's, we've done, we've done, we would read through, we would pick a book and we would read through, through, through the book. And... Uh, You'd be, you might be interested to know that the last two books that we've done are both written um, by uh, Northern Irish authors. The first one was really the second one. The second one we did was uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And the one that we are currently working through is John Lennox's uh, God's Undertaker, which is dealing with, with matters of um, faith and science, has science disproved Christianity uh, or, or religion and the existence of God? A lot of people, a lot of young people, young adults, uh, educated young professionals are asking themselves, genuinely asking themselves these questions. Some high school students, uh, Anya's sister uh, and, and her, some of her friends, are struggling with, the, with these issues just before they graduate from high school and before they go to college and university. They are thinking about these, uh, about, they're asking themselves these questions. 
They have uh, the Catholic propaganda that's been imposed on them uh, throughout their whole life. Everybody has to take compulsory religious education classes in, at school. Now there's this whole liberal propaganda that's uh, supposedly supposed to be an alternative for, for young people where you have to accept the, all, all this. It's a, it's a package. It's a new religion, really. The whole LGBT package, the abortion package, uh, it, it's, it, it's all in, in that one one religion that you now have to, uh, to, t to, to adopt that's being imposed on, on, on young people especially. So they are confused, they don't know uh, what to choose, where to go, and we are offering an alternative third way. So um, for a while we've been, uh, some, so with some of these meetings, we would meet at McDonald's because we didn't have a place of, of our own during the week. On Sundays we would meet in a Methodist church, but during the week it would, um, it would be McDonald's or other cafes. Sometimes it would be really, really loud because of music. Sometimes the whole school trip would, would barge in and, and then you don't hear your own thoughts. And sometimes there would be a lot of people attending. So if somebody's speaking and you're on the other side of the table, I gave up so often. I was, like, I was saying, okay, I'm not listening. I just can't, can't possibly hear you. Uh, so finally, we are in a quiet place um, that's our own. Okay, I'll speed it up now. And this is, this is the apologetics groups in, in, in our home. Um, we, hospitality is, is, is a big uh, value as well, something we really appreciate and, and are trying to, to practice. So we're still going to have things hosted in our, in our homes because it's just, it's a different type of uh, relationship buildings. Uh, this was celebrating Reformation Day uh, in our house as well. It's, it's not a big flat that Anya and I live in. Um, we had, what, 15 people? That's probably, what, 18? Um, and that's the maximum that we, that we can take. But it's, it's a great problem. Okay. Uh, so we, we got the building, and there's a meeting space, and then there's a little office, and then there's a kitchen area that will be, like, turned into a social area with a sofa and armchairs. And it was such a great um, blessing to see our people um, embracing the work and treating it as their own uh, building and uh, uh, getting the work done. We didn't have to hire anybody for you know, painting the walls and, and things like that, cleaning the place. Um, and uh, it, it was great. It was also a great um, integration process. Um, there are a few more photographs from that. Uh, now, this is last Sunday, our first uh, worship service in the, in the new building. We had 20 people, um, and uh, we just thought we would take that photograph uh, for as a historic photograph, just to look back uh, at it um, a couple of decades from now. We just did our um, another retreat, um, and then after that, we've, we've all gone to the, to the worship uh, service in uh, in Krakow. Okay, and another thing that uh, we're still heavily involved in is publishing ministry, and these are some of the books that we've already translated or are in the process of translating. We've also done others that didn't fit in all-in-one image, um, but um, it's, it, it also surprised us because uh, we started doing this out of necessity. There was very little uh, sound literature that we, uh, we could give to, to people to read, and especially socially relevant, like, you know, response to LGBT 
issues and, and so on. The Catholic Church hasn't produced anything. That there's, there's just nothing out there on the market. So we just started translating these books for, for ourselves to be able to give it to people. And it turned out that through that ministry, through that work, we've been blessing other churches in the country because those books go obviously across uh, the whole country and people are ordering them from different parts of the country and even beyond Poland. Um, so it's, it's, it's just great that we can serve a wider church through, through this work. Um, I would like to, once again, for the second or third or fourth time, invite you to, um, to come to Krakow. And I, I know we've, we've tried, we've had some attempts of organizing a trip over to Krakow this time. I promise myself I'm not coming back here until you've visited us. Uh, so um, it's your turn, okay? And we, we would love to, uh, to see you. Uh, there are daily flights from Dublin. On some days, I think Friday and Monday, there are actually two, two, flight, two Ryanair flights between Dublin and Krakow. There are at least two airlines that I know of that fly from Belfast. So there's, there can't be excuses here. Uh, a weekend would probably do, uh, and uh, we just would really love for you to, to see it and uh, potentially get involved. We are in, a pro in the process of developing our uh, women's ministry, men's ministry, so you can, you, you can, just your presence would be enough, and then we'll, uh, we will have ideas for, for, for uh, how, to, how to use this. Yes, but we're only taking 18 people in our house, not more than that. <laughs> Uh, thank you for, for your support. Thank you for um, inviting us uh, back. And uh, as I said, um, until next time in Krakow.